All right. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Second Cup Show. My name is Deidre Braley and I'm the writer behind the blog, The Second Cup. If we are not friends there already, make sure to go check out The Second Cup on Substack and on Instagram. I would love to connect with you. Here at The Second Cup, I believe that the real magic happens when we get beyond the small talk and get to the good stuff. Like when you're sitting with a friend and you just have to pour another cup of coffee, stay longer because the conversation is just that good. It's an invitation to linger and explore, and I really believe in keeping it real here. Doubts, questions, struggles, and all. That being said, there's probably nothing that I'd rather explore and linger over than really great books that keep it real too. So I'm talking the ones that challenge me, encourage me, and help me to experience God in new ways. That's why I am so excited to welcome Walter Shaw onto the show today. I first discovered Walter on his Instagram account, WTS Reads, and I became an instant follower and fan when I realized that he was sharing books on theology that I had never encountered before. He encourages his people to read more, shares key takeaways from the books he's currently reading, and shares practical tips on prayer and other spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. He also has a YouTube channel that you should check out. It has it serves as a book vlog, and it's really, really cool. So thank you, Walter, for being on my show today. Yes, thanks for having me. So thrilled this week when I invited you to come on and talk and you actually responded and said, yes, I was so excited. Thank oh, you for I'm being here. Really glad to be here. So I just introduced you briefly, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started with WTS Reads? Yeah, basically WTS Reads exists to help you and whoever that you is to read more and to read better, all for the glory of God. And I started WTS Reads all the way back in 2018 during my second year in seminary when I discovered that the books that I was reading in seminary and the books that I saw being bestsellers or found on the bookstore, on the bookshelves of the Christian bookstores I was at, were not the same books. And there was actually a big theological and depth gap between the books I was reading that were accessible to me and I think are accessible to the common person and the books that were being sold. And so WTS Reads kind of exists to bridge that gap a little bit, to make solid theological books known and accessible to everyday Christians. And so that's part of the reason why WTS Reads exists. Okay, I love that because as we were talking about a little bit before the show, sometimes I find myself looking at bookshelves in bookstores mm -hmm. or at the library and saying to myself, where is the depth? I don't mm -hmm. want a five-step program to help me um, do something better or be better. Like I want something that really digs into theological mm -hmm. questions and challenges me to think about things in new ways. So I'm often pulling books um, that are really old and trying to hunt them down on Amazon. And that's where I'm finding some of the really juicy stuff. So in one of your YouTube videos that I was watching this week, I saw that you have 40 books on your reading list for 2023. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how many books have you read so far? And I want to know which one has been your favorite. Yeah. Before I answer that question, I do want to say that I've read quite a few books 
so far this year in 2023, a lot of them aren't on my 2023 reading list. Okay. Um, so all said and done, I've finished, I haven't started all these books this year, but I finished 66 books so far in the year 2023. That's not to hold that up as an example of what you should do or what you must do as a reader, but it's actually the most prolific reading year I've ever had. Uh, the most books I've ever read in a year before this year was, I believe, 65 a few years ago. And so I'm just on pace to crush that. Um, but all that to say, in terms of my favorite book so far, I'm going to stray from just naming one book and more yeah. uh, more naming an author that I've devoted to reading pretty much all of his works this year. Now, author's name is Carl Truman. He's written quite a few books over the years. He released a book called Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self in 2019. And um, I read that book. I really enjoyed it. And I've done this thing over the last several years where I kind of devote an entire year to reading a specific author. Last year, I read a lot of Francis Schaeffer. And I decided this year was going to be the year of Carl Truman. And so I've read a bunch of his works and I've really benefited a lot. He does a lot of engagement with culture, engagement with the evangelical church, and he's. I find his uh, his writing to be very helpful and thoughtful. Okay, that's really cool. I like how you're kind of taking on an author and then devoting yourself to that mm -hmm. author for over the course of a year. Do mm -hmm. you find that when you're doing that, when you're so steeped in an author, that you feel like you're beginning to almost think like them? That's part of the hope of what I seek to accomplish a lot. Like last year when I read Francis Schaeffer, it was kind of like, man, I really wish Francis Schaeffer would write a book in 2022. But yeah. since, you know, he's with the Lord now, he's no longer with us. He cannot write a book in 2022. Uh -huh. And so you immerse yourself in their thought and you kind of start to think their thoughts after them in a way um, and, and really try to get some instincts like, okay, what would this person say if they were here and could respond to this situation in the world? Yes, I love that. I have spent many a day mourning the fact that some of my favorite authors are dead because I'm mm -hmm. like, there will never be another book from this author or this author. Um, I just finished reading Walking on Water by Madeline Engel, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's her reflections on faith and art. And it was one of those books where I had stickies on every single page. It was a library book. I had to order my own copy because I needed to mark it up. I can't bring it back to the library until I transfer all my notes. Um, and, you know, she signed off at the end from her um, home in New England, Crosswicks, 1980. And I thought to myself, mm. oh, 43 years. Is that? Yeah, that math is right. 43 years ago. And... I feel that everything she wrote is just as bit as relevant today. And I just so wish that I could speak with her or in the very least read more of her books. I wish she could just keep on producing. So I understand that. Um, so, okay. Did you say 66 books this year? Yeah, I've read 66 books. I just checked my Goodreads before hopping on here. Okay. So if my math serves me correctly, that's like 10-ish books a month. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. At okay. the very beginning of the year, I went on a pretty big sprint, basically. And I okay. finished a ton of books really quickly. So oh, I have so many questions because I have a lot of friends and myself included mm -hmm. who um, 
we're always lamenting the fact that we don't read more and there's there they want to be readers but find that daily life gets in the way and so what maybe pieces of advice or what strategies do you use to make sure that you're I can only assume you're reading every day and um yeah what advice do you have for us so we can create more intentional reading habits I have a hunch you might say something about watching less Netflix but go ahead (laughs) yeah that doesn't that certainly doesn't hurt you know for the first nearly five years of our marriage uh, we did not have a TV in our home. And while we do have a TV in our home now, it's mainly used to watch YouTube di- YouTube videos over dinner or something like that. Um, but I kind of have two almost contradictory strategies that I use to read. And one of them is I mainly you know, devote 90% of my reading time to reading whatever it is that I feel like reading that day. Trusting that if I just read whatever I want and whatever I have the most energy for, then I'm going to wind up reading more. You know, I've heard it said more that I've heard it said before that the person who um, loves the destination more is going to walk more to reach their destination. But I think the person who likes walking the most is going to wind up walking further, even for than mm-hmm. someone who has a destination in mind. And so in that way, I'm just banking on if I read what I love, if I read what I want to read, which for me, reading nonfiction comes very naturally to me then I'm going to wind up reading a whole a whole lot more than the person who forces themselves to read something that they don't want to read or that they don't have energy to read. And the contradictory other side of that is I do think there's a lot of value in choosing a specific area that you want to grow in or choosing a specific kind of book you want to read and devoting specific time to that as well. And so for me, the time that that looks like is before bed each night, I'm trying to read a few pages of a fiction book each night. And I've gotten to read quite a few fiction books so far this year because of that. Uh, Right now I'm reading Ursula K. Le Guin's The Dispossessed, which is a sci-fi book and I have almost no interest in sci-fi, but I (laughs) heard it recommended and I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. It's outside of my comfort zone. But in doing that, reading a few pages of that each night, I'm able to devote the rest of my reading time to reading whatever I want, basically guilt-free. And so in that way, I'm being intentional, but also going where I feel led, going where I have the energy for. So kind of balancing those two is how I think you'll wind up reading more. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good advice. Um, I I feel like I'm the opposite where I spend a lot of my daytime reading reading books that will help me with my writing, whatever I'm interested in or researching in or researching. Um, But I get most excited at night when it's, I will, if I have a really good book on my bedside table, like a fiction book, which sometimes feels like a, like a guilty pleasure because I'm like, well, am I learning something from it? Am I, am I growing from it? Um, And I always find, you know, I can't wait to get into bed early so that I can spend more time reading it. And I Mm. do feel like there's so much value in reading fiction um, because we are learning. We're in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel especially like sometimes it's um, it's just what your brain needs to think in a different way to be able to make connections that you maybe hadn't made before. So. There's a lot of value in that. 
Thanks for sharing about that. So what is your favorite fiction book that you've read this year? Is it the one that you're currently reading or do you have mm -hmm. one from? That's from a tough question in terms of the favorite book that I've read this year. That's fiction. I might have to go with it's semi embarrassingly a children's slash young adult book called The Sinking City by Christine Cohen. Uh, Ooh, it's basically okay. kind of a fantasy um, book that describes, hey, the city of Venice, it's a fictional Venice, um, modeled after the real Venice, has canals and the city is slowly sinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a very young girl hero who helps save the city. And nice. I'll let you read the story to get that. Yeah, I think I'll add it to my list. My list is about 60 books long, but I will add it to the list. I think some of the best and most exciting literature is actually written for kids and young adults. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so to shift back to talking about um, more, well, maybe I was going to say to shift back to nonfiction books, but maybe it's a fiction book that you have in mind. But one question I really wanted to ask you was, if you had a friend that was mm -hmm. really interested in God, but was also really struggling with doubts about his existence or his goodness, what book, like I see a lot of books on your bookshelf behind you, what book would you pull off your shelf and put in their hands first? The first book that I would recommend to a friend in that situation would be Timothy Keller's Making Sense of God. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with the writings of Timothy Keller, you might be surprised to hear me not say The Reason for God, which was published in 2008. But a little bit of backstory is as soon as, and you can read this in uh, Keller's biography, which was just released by Colin Hansen earlier this year. Oh, cool. As soon as Keller published Reason for God back in 08, he realized that it was almost outdated, given the trajectory that the world was changing on at that time. And so he wrote Making Sense of God as the book that he wished would have been released in 2000. And, you know, Reason for God was just like a smashing success. And so, of course, it would be very much like an author like that to say, oh, it's already out of date. It's only sold like a million copies. But this book pulls it back more from, and I like how you said, not just the existence, but the goodness of God. And that's more along the lines of where Keller seeks to go in Making Sense of God, not just does God exist from like a philosophical standpoint, but how does God speak to the specific magnetic issues that we can't stop talking about today? Like morality, like goodness, like justice, like mercy, you know, all humans have a desire for those things. They sense that they're good, but they can't always account for them apart from God. And so what Timothy Keller does in that book is say, Hey, I recognize your desire for justice and mercy and goodness. And I want to show you, how it's the God of the Bible who fulfills those things. And mm. when you seek to find those things in other ways, they're always going to fall short. Mm. And so that's why I would recommend making sense of God. It does the pre-work almost for the reason for God, which lays on top of that. Okay. I love that. And I haven't read that one. Mm -hmm. And I like how you're talking about how he isn't shying away from those questions that we're all asking, mm -hmm. but instead he's like, okay, come on, like, let's look at scripture together and figure out what the Bible says about mm -hmm. this. Um, those are the authors that I find myself really respecting. I know for me, the book, um, when I read mere Christianity by CS Lewis, I was like, Oh, wow. Um, 
But I also feel that sometimes C.S. Lewis gets so, um, oh, what's the word for it? Heady, maybe, um, or sometimes can be just a little bit dense. And so I would be careful maybe about who I put that, who, whose hands I put that in. Um, but if somebody was up for some some deeper reading and wasn't afraid of, of thinking about things uh, from an abstract sense, I would, I think that was, that would be the one that I would put in their hands too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's a good pick. Yeah. Um, okay. So another thing that we were talking about a little bit before, and the authors that we've mentioned so far have mostly been mm -hmm. men. And a lot of my favorite authors on faith are men. And I, I love reading books by men. But there are definitely times when I wonder, like, where are all the ladies at in in the theological world? Where are the ladies at? Um, and I mentioned this before that sometimes I pick up books that I feel are targeted for women, mm -hmm. and I find that they are either lacking in theology or they're just not convicting and challenging me and transforming my thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they're seeking so hard to be relatable that they're not pushing me to grow, to be a better version of myself, mm -hmm. to see things in new ways. So that being said, do you have any female authors on faith, living or dead, who you might recommend to me and other ladies like me um, that might fill this void that I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the number of women writing books that are solid theologically is growing. And so you know, I may give you some names today and, you know, Lord willing, there will be many more names I'd be able to give you in the future, yes, specifically women writing, not just about womanhood and motherhood, mm -hmm. um, but writing for just about everyday topics, um, more than just specifically womenhood and motherhood. You know, mm -hmm. granted, I haven't med read many of those books, but the book that I would maybe recommend to you as somebody who feels that desire and feels that burden Mm -hmm. is uh it's called priscilla where are you by natalie brand and natalie brand has written a few books but this one is specifically about this issue women <sighs> and theology and wanting um to be solid theologically but also deep and so i would recommend uh natalie brand specifically but this book priscilla where are you coming from uh, priscilla in the book of acts who is oh. a teacher of theology um Thank you. in many ways so I would recommend her. I would recommend Glenna Marshall's works. Uh, she is just releasing a book on memorizing scripture mm -hmm. in a few weeks that I would heartily recommend. I would recommend uh, Melissa Kruger's writings very much. Um, I would recommend Megan Hill, especially her book on praying together. Mm -hmm. um, I would recommend Christina Fox. She has written quite a few books. Um, she's written one on uh, fear. The Fear of the Lord called A Holy Fear that I would recommend. Cool. And there are quite a few more, but I'll stop there um, just for the sake of time and for the sake of people actually being able to remember all these names. Yeah. Okay. We'll hit you up next year after we've read through that list <laughs> yeah. and then we'll come back to that. Um, I thank you. That that was above and beyond what I expected. And that's exciting. I'm going to add those to my list of people to read. And I think that the topics of... Um, like motherhood and womanhood are so incredibly important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I believe that, wow, there's a whole lot more to a woman. 
Um, and so uh, I just, I respect the authors who are writing on motherhood. And I also respect those who are branching out and writing on those other topics too. Yeah. So thanks for the suggestions. Um, I have just a couple more things that I want to make sure that I asked you before we say goodbye today. So you have talked a little bit about doing almost these kind of in-depth author studies over the course of a year where you choose an author to read their works. If you could pinpoint one author who has helped to shape your faith more than any other, who would it be? That's a good question. I think the person, humanly speaking, that has shaped my faith more than anyone else would probably be my local church pastor. Um, you know, I've sat under one pastor's preaching basically for my entire Christian life. And so there's no author that's going to replace that. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of an author that has shaped me, probably, although this author hasn't written very many books, Paul Miller, who okay. wrote the book, A Praying Life. I read this book when I was becoming a Christian about 10 years ago now, and um, it really did shape me in terms of what prayer is, what it means for God to be our father and our father desires to hear our prayers. And that has kind of shaped my entire Christian walk. Um, also his idea of the cross chart, which is also featured in some of some other books, but um, this idea that we grow as a Christian when we grow in our knowledge of God's holiness in knowledge of our own sinfulness. And then those two things kind of form, you know, an opening and in the middle is their growth and appreciation of the cross. And so we grow as a Christian when we see the gap between God's holiness, our sinfulness, and that's not an end of, in and of itself. It ends in a growing appreciation of Christ's work for us. And so I got that from a praying life and it has stuck okay. with me forever. Okay. That actually sounds familiar because I think one of the pastors in our church demonstrated that on mm. like a big giant, um, like piece of chart paper and a Sharpie yeah. one day when we were at church, that's not, that's ringing a bell to me. Um, thank you for that suggestion. I have, I've written about this a little bit on the second cup in the last few months, but I have been really interested in prayer lately, which mm. feels a little embarrassing to admit as somebody who has been a believer following Jesus for a long time, but realizing that my prayer life has been pretty darn lackluster. Mm -hmm. And um, lately, now that I've been digging into prayer and I've received some mentorship on prayer at my local women's group, I'll do a shout out to Mickey Earl at East Point. If you're watching this, thank you. Um, she's an incredible teacher of the word. Um, and it is making me feel so excited about prayer. And mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I think the topic of prayer is kind of like unsexy and boring to people, but really it's fascinating and exciting and life-changing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I love that you chose a book on prayer to highlight. Um, do you have a book that you feel is, or maybe an author that you feel is dramatically underrated? Like I know like Timothy Keller gets a lot of press. People know his name, but do you have an author that you absolutely love that maybe not very many people have ever heard of? Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard for me to 
to gauge who's underrated and overrated, that kind of thing. But one author that has written a breadth of books, you know, there are some authors that are famous for just one book or they have had one book that's been commercially successful. But one author that wrote for um, a broad audience over the course of his entire life and ministry, his name is Jerry Bridges. And what I really appreciate about Jerry Bridges is he applies the gospel um, to every part of our lives, even the respectable sins, which is one of the books that he wrote that I think is just criminally underrated. Um, So I would recommend the books of Jerry Bridges in general, but respectable sins is very good. Okay. Noted. So my last question for you is obviously you read a lot of books. Do you ever have dreams of writing one? That's a good question. You know, at this point in my life, I have no aspiration or desire to write a book of my own. Maybe, you know, I always tell people if I've actually accomplished something in like 20 years, maybe I'll decide to write a book or something like that. What I would like to do is um, create some kind of annotated reading plan or maybe a series of annotated reading plans that build off of the works of the authors that I love and um, kind of walk people through how to read those books. And so to get more in depth than just like, hey, here's a book that I think is great and that I would like you to read, but rather like almost get into some of these great books with the people that are reading. And so not quite a book of my own, but an annotated reading plan slash reading list is something that I would like to do. I love that. That's making my wheel spin for all of the different things that you could do with that. That could help those people who really want to be more intentional about their reading practice to have a sort of annotated plan to follow. I think you're on to something. (laughs) Stick with that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Walter, for coming to drop some book wisdom on all of us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. And I have a whole list of books now. I'm going to need to go back and rewatch this video so that I can check them out from the library. Um, And I feel bad for our local librarians because I have like 25 books on my shelf right now, (laughs) seriously, from interlibrary loan. And I think they're probably overdue. Um, But everybody who's watching, make sure that you go over to Instagram and follow Walter at WTS Reads, just like you can see um, beside his name. Um, And also hit subscribe on his YouTube channel, which is just called Walter Shaw, right, Walter? Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can stay updated on all of the bookish things that he's posting throughout the year. Um, And finally, let us know what you thought of episode one and who you think our next guest should be in the comments. Thank you so much for stopping by and we will see you next time.